Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast as we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner Brett Boone as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. On this episode of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with the Texas Ranger Hall of Famer, seven-time Major League All-Star, Michael Young. Now the 2-1 pitch is swung on and a high fly ball into deep left center field. Back goes Sheffield at the wall. Leaps in the air and that's gone. And so Michael Young, the kid from Los Angeles, comes home to hit a home run at Dodger Stadium. And now, here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone, and today on the program, I'm joined by a Texas Ranger Hall of Famer. He's a seven-time All-Star, a batting champ, and he topped 200 hits six times, which is very impressive to me. I did it once. I felt like I got 500 hits. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Young. Michael, thanks for coming on the program. Booney, what's up, man? Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. You got it. Great. Uh, Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Favorite player growing up? Who'd you want to be like as a kid? Don Mattingly. Donnie Baseball was my guy. Loved him. Really? You, you're you going with a lefty. California. You're going oh, yeah. with a lefty. Southern California, dude. There was something about Donnie I just loved. Like, mid-80s, dude. He was, I mean, Dodgers were my favorite team, but Donnie was my guy, man. Loved him. Loved him. So, as you said, you grew up uh, Southern Cal, Bishop of Mott High. What was Michael yep. Young like as a little kid? Give me a snapshot. I was a co- oh, cocky shit, dude. Uh, let me see. I mean, I was, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I was, I, I don't know why. I just was. It was just kind of the, the, the way yeah, I was as a kid. I really have no explanation for it. But, you know, I thought I was just cruising to hitting about 700 and, I guess, uh, 56 homers and break Hank Aaron's record. No big deal. And that's kind of the, way, the, the baseball life I thought I'd have. But. Had two great parents, had an older brother, younger sister, played a lot of ball growing up, played all other sports too. And uh, after high school, went to UCSB and signed. Uh, it was really, really cool, cool time growing up for me in Southern California, dude. Absolutely loved it. That, that's funny for me watching you and played against you quite a bit. Uh, you being cocky, because I, I always <laughs> think about it. And, and, and this is this is truth. When I talk to my kids and, and, you know, they're always looking when they were growing up and I'm thinking, Michael Young, if, if I had my 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 druthers how to play the game, I would pick you as one of those guys, you know, guys that I that I look to. We all have our, our the way we go about the game. We all have our style. We have our our little quirks. But I, I always admired the way you played the game, even from a young age. I remember when you first came in the big leagues, there was something about you. I said, I love the way he goes about his, his business. There's no fl- there, there wasn't much flair. It was just here. Here it is. And uh, ended up having a hell of a career. But I that so that shocks me a little bit when you say, oh, I was this cocky pain in the ass. Kid. Now, if I said that, you'd believe me. Yeah, Booty was cocky. Yeah, probably. But yeah, exactly, um, exactly. No, but but, it, but it's it, so good, man. That's just who you were, dude. I loved it. Yeah, we're all you know. We all who we're at, and we all have our journey. We get there different ways, but we all get there. Um, you, you mentioned you went to uh, UC Santa Barbara. How did that come about? You're in high school. Uh, you, how'd that how'd that recruiting process go for you? Once again, we all have our own way. You know, I ended up at SC, but at the beginning, I, that that was the last place. You know, on that high school journey, when we're kind of decide, hey, where we want to go to college, last place I thought I'd end up. 
uh, at was was Southern Cal, and then it ended up being the place. Give me your journey. So, yeah, as a Bishop Mott, I was a center fielder in high school, um, and I had one scholarship offer and jumped on it. SC was my dream school. Really wanted to go to SC. Uh, my junior year, they started, you know, I had intended my games, and um, I really, really wanted to go to SC. The summer before my senior year, every t- it was weird. Every time I felt like SC showed up, I felt like I didn't play well. I don't know what the deal was, but I just didn't play well every time SC was there. And sure enough, you know, from getting tickets to football games to no longer getting phone calls you know it was kind of a you know a gut punch a little bit but um you know it worked out really well i went to again one offer i went to ucsb i played my my freshman year i was still in the outfield and then my going into my sophomore year uh told the coach hey listen i want to i want to go to the infield i feel like you know I, i think i can be a big leaguer but i think playing infield is my route to go so he gave me a shot man i mean ucsb at the time they've they've had a lot of success recently but when i went there we weren't all that great so because I went there, he's like, yeah, I come in and play short. So my sophomore year, I played short. If I was at a school like SC, there's no way I can make that move because odds are they probably had a top recruit playing shortstop. So, again, like you mentioned our journeys, man, I mean, that's one reason UCSB was right for me. If I would have went to a bigger school, I don't think I would have been able to make that move to the infield, then who the hell knows what happens after that. Santa Barbara. My first college AB was at, uh, at Santa Barbara. At, at yeah. your place. You, you know what's weird? How many guys do you think that ended up being big league shortstops? Because shortstop's a position um, that I, you know, I'm amazed with. I, I, I talk to people all the time and, and I say, you know, shortstops are kind of born. You're either a shortstop or you're not a shortstop. Yeah, I was a college shortstop. I slid over to second base. I could have filled in and, and I think fooled you for a game here or two at the big league level. But if you put me out there, I was going to be exposed eventually. <laughs> that ball to my, to my, to my backhand, man, my, my feet used to get tangled up in college. And for some reason, I just never could do that. But the fact that you're in college playing the outfield and end up one day, not only playing short, but, but winning a gold glove, at shortstop, that's amazing to me because that just doesn't happen. You know, everybody gets drafted. All the high picks, what are they? Shortstops, center right. fielders, yeah. um, and they usually don't end up being shortstops. But, but I don't know. That's another amazing thing. As I was going through and 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 doing my research and checking out Michael Young, the stuff I didn't know, it, it kept popping up. I'm like, this guy went from second to short to third to uh, it. Pretty amazing. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Okay. Uh, you sign with Santa Barbara. You get drafted in the 25th round by the Orioles out of high school. Even an option for you, or you were just college? I was a 29th round pick. I know how that went. You know, they came into my to my living room. They had nothing, especially at that time. You know, when I got drafted right. 87, it wasn't anything that was going to sway me. Even an option for you, or or, or uh, well, you tell me. Not at all. I mean, honestly, Booty, like, I'm, plus, like, you know, I was never the, the biggest dude in the world, but even in high school, I was, like, 5'10", like, 150 when I graduated. I would have gotten crushed in pro ball, and I knew it. I knew it. Um, so, yeah, for me, Santa Barbara was still was still the place to go to, and I kind of had it in my head that I wanted to play infield at some point, um, and I got drafted as a center fielder, so it was basically a no-go out of the shoot, and I was really looking forward to kind of, kind of like, just for, like you were mentioning right now, man, kind of really carving my own path uh, to what I knew I could, I had three years to make myself an infielder. Um, and that was where my mind was at. Yeah. It's amazing. I see these kids come out 
you know, sometimes at 18 years old, it takes a special, a special kid, you know, from a maturity standpoint for 18. I think at 18, we all think uh, we can handle anything. I, I remember coming out of high school, I was just so pissed that I was a 29th. How could you pick me in the 29th round? You know, don't you know, I'm the greatest player that's ever played baseball. Um, yeah, exactly. And that, and then looking back, uh, the college, experience was the right way for me to go. I needed those years. I needed those three years to kind of grow up uh, mentally uh, and physically. And then when I was, you know, when I got drafted, I was ready to go. Um, Very few guys that I watch, I don't know about yourself, but if you watch an 18 year old that, that I point to them and say, that guy can go pro right now and he'll be okay. But very few, you know, there are the Mike Trouts of the world, the Harpers, uh, the kids that are just physically mature beyond their years and mentally to handle what's about to hit them. We're, we're in high school and we're playing 25 games. You know, maybe you go to the playoffs, the CIF. All of a sudden you go to the minor leagues, you got a 142-game schedule. And it's the little things like that, let alone being away from home for the first time, living on your own. This is a job now. So, um for a lot of us, you know, I think the right the right move is college. It sounded like that was the right move for you. Ninety seven, you're drafted by the Blue Jays in the fifth round, um, and they send you to I, I think it's what is it Saint Catherine. Saint so you're going Catherine, across yeah. the border right out of the gate. Across what was that like? It was good, man. Honestly, like I, I signed, and everything you just said about being ready after college was 100 percent accurate for me. I needed those three years, man, physically, mentally, the whole deal. And when I signed, I was ready to rock. I was ready to go. Um, so I get there. I, got, I signed out as a, as, a, uh, as a shortstop. I get there, and I'm taking ground balls with Cesar Turris, who uh, had a long career in the big leagues and just freaking could pick it, man. So I get there, and he takes the first ground ball ahead of me, and I'm like, holy shit. Like, they all look like this dude. Like, I got I to gotta clean it up a little bit. So the Blue Jays were awesome. They, they basically said, hey, you guys are both going to – play both positions uh mike we know you never played second but every series we're going to switch you off so in the minor leagues you play a four game series four games here four games there he and i would just switch and we did that for the first three years in the minor leagues i had no idea at the time how beneficial that was going to be because i had you know i didn't know what was ahead for me but that was where it started is me being you know pretty comfortable i thought second base was definitely my most natural position my best position and there are parts of me that wish i would have played there my whole career just to kind of see how that would have, how that would have been. Um, but I was able to kind of go to short because I did have some experience there in the minor leagues because the blue Jays were so good about making sure that I was comfortable in both spots. So it ended up, uh, you know, paying some dividends down the road. Yeah. That's especially at that time. Nowadays, I think it's more prevalent. I think for the, for the young players, um, getting drafted they they do try to give them that experience at third short second when i was coming in 1990 uh i i still remember it you know i come out of sc i'm the shortstop I, they say take your position at you know one of those little instructional you sign and you go to a little mini camp for a week they say take your positions i start running towards short and i i hear somebody call my name and go boom you go to second i said gotcha <laughs> which which was kind of a relief for me and i never played another position uh my entire professional career um but i see it yeah i see what you're saying how, how it can benefit you you know i had a uh in Cincinnati in 19, I believe it was 94, we had Barry Larkin as our shortstop. And Tony Fernandez, we signed, who was gold glover that played for the Blue Jays for years. Yeah. And 
he came to the Reds and, and he would take ground balls only at short. And it would it became in spring training. Ended up, long story short, he he was one. He became one of my favorite teammates all time. But in spring training, he was making it really awkward. Larkin was the right. shortstop, but Tony right. wouldn't take ground balls anywhere but short. And I remember him coming over to second base because I was a young player, you know. And I'm going, wait a minute, what do you think you just come over to second base and turn double plays? And he couldn't. He's been playing short his whole life. You know, it was tough for him to make that transition. Obviously, the routine play is no big deal for for a big league shortstop. But that pit, right? But that that double play nowadays, no. I mean, they took away that rule where you have to absolutely. Like, dude, we know it's like playing second. I played. I turned both double plays in the big league. The shortstop is easy. You can see him coming. At second base, is a total blind spot. And if you got a guy like you know. Scott Rowland coming down there. He's going to try and knock your ass into left field. And you can't see him coming. Nowadays, you know, it's just stopwatch baseball. You're just playing catch, you know? Anybody can turn two now. I mean, you can bring a third oh, yeah. baseman over. He can turn a double play. Let's let the catcher play second. He can yeah. he can turn okay. two. And and I took it personal when they – I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but when they when they made that rule. And I understand, you know, the, the premise the premise of the rule. You want to protect your, your assets, the, the money that's out there nowadays. I get all that. But I kind of took offense as a second baseman because – that's the separator. That that's what makes that's the difference between the the good second baseman and the elite second baseman. That guy, like you said, with a rolling coming in on you, with the game on the line, and you got to turn that big double play. If you turn it, you turn that it. game's over. And if you don't turn it, that game's tied or you lose. So right. so I kind I kind of take a little offense to that. I don't know what's your thoughts I agree, on. Booney. It? No, I agree a hundred percent, man. I think that was the separator. I totally agree and. I think it made other players better, too. I remember telling, you know, I'd tell Hank Blaylock was my third baseman. I was like, hey, listen, if I got Torrey Hunter, who's not only fast, but he's big and strong, he's trying to light me up, I need that throw off my left shoulder so I can see if I can get myself across the bag. And it made him better, too. Uh, I, I, I like it. I, I agree that I, I see why they did it. you got to protect the players. You don't want anybody to get unnecessarily banged up. But I think what you could have done is kept, kept the rule but just enforced how you slide. You know, like my, I was taught to break up double plays was two things. You, you keep your spikes tucked in and you just make sure you hit the dirt first. So if I'm trying to break up a, a double play against Seattle, I'm not going to go into Brett Boone's shins. I'm going to hit the dirt first, then try and go through them, right? That's how you break up a double play and keeping my spikes tucked in. That is a good, hard way to, to break up a double play. If I'm making like direct contact into his knees out of the gate, that's a dirty ass play and that's unnecessary. So I think they could have just enforced the way guys slide, but still make it where breaking up a double play is an important part of the game. Because I think there was an art to it, both for the for the runner and for the guy turning the double play. You know, so I agree with you. How about the the tag rule? I mean, how about you got to physically tag yeah. the runner coming in? That to me is the opposite of protection. <laughs> now that now all of a sudden it's dangerous for us. You know, if guys out by five feet, we used to get the tag in, get it out, show the umpire, it's over. You're out. Now yeah. you got to physically put it on those spikes. And, and I see that's more dangerous than it's ever been. And you got these replays, and it's and it's absurd. How many times did you kind of like put that put the book the you know the glove down there? Sometimes you don't even tag the guy, and the runner's bitching to the umpire that you know he missed the tag, and the umpire's like, "You're out by five feet. Get out of here. Come on. Right. This is the way the game is played. You're out. Scram." Nowadays, yeah, if that guy's coming in hard, and if say he say you got the glove down there, and he decides to pick his foot up a couple inches, you're taking that spike, all the spikes to the, to your wrist. Like there's 
there's a lot of things that can happen now with the, with this rule. So, yeah, I mean, the replay stuff, and you can't really go back. You know, now that they have the replays in, it's in. So, yeah, these these, these infielders got to stick these tags, and it can get a little dicey out there for sure. 2000, you get traded. Is a minor leaguer getting traded? Uh, you know, this is the beginning of your career. It's kind of the beginning of your journey. You get traded for Esteban Luiza to the Texas Rangers. Ends up being the best move ever for you at the time. What do you think? Yeah. Um, at the time, I didn't know what the hell was going on. You know, the only thing I thought about at the time was, you know, playing for the Blue Jays. Um, you know, they had invested a lot in me. The coaches were unbelievably great in the minor leagues. I, you know, always be grateful for them for their hard work. Um, and then, you know, get traded. And I guess in my mind, I'm like, you know, it's a little closer to getting back home. Um, didn't really know what to think of it. I reported. I was in double A. I got there and they said, you're playing short only. So my, really my only time playing everyday shortstop was like everyday shortstop was my junior and senior year in college. Or excuse me, my sophomore and junior year in college. And then for a month in double A with the Rangers and the Arizona Fall League after that. That was my only stretch of playing everyday shortstop until 2004. So, you know, it was it was cool. I liked it. You know, I got went to short. I, I knew right away, though, Booney. Like, kind of, I agree with you. Like, we should shortstops are made. I think every infielder's got a natural spot. You can go somewhere else and you can do some work. You know, I played short and third, and um, but I knew I was a natural second baseman. That was my most natural and instinctive position, um, and I had to kind of like. You know, Booney, if you're playing second, like, you know, and they hit a ball to you, you've seen every hop, you've seen every angle, and you're like, just get over here. I'll figure this thing out when it gets here. Well, when I went, especially when I went to third, I had to, like, think my way through certain things. Like, all right, I'm going to take this first step on this play because it just wasn't as instinctive to me. So, you know, when I got traded and went to short, it was cool. I liked it, but it kind of hit me right away. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do as best I can. But I know, I definitely know the second base is my best position. So, um, but I mean, again, like you said, I was in the big leagues with only spent a few months in the, in the minor leagues of the Rangers and they called me up. So it worked out really, really well for me. 2000, you get a cup of coffee and then, uh, 2001, I think uh, you're called up for good May 25th. Um, and I remember, I remember that year. I remember a young Michael young and, uh, you have a decent year. Alex comes over. Alex is the shortstop, yeah. so you're playing second base, and, and you'll do that yeah. through 02 and 03. 03, you, you know, you kind of come on the scene. You hit 306. You get 204 hits. And for me, I'm, yeah. I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, the next year is your year, right? I, I think that's when Alex gets traded to, to, uh, to the Yankees. Soriano comes over. Soriano can't play short. What's that conversation like when you're you're just you're coming off a big year in 03 as a second baseman, one of the best in the league, and all of a sudden, how's that conversation of Michael? Yeah, we just need you to whip over here and play short real quick. Well, you know, Booney, it was a trip, man, because like you said, you know, oh oh one and two, I'm kind of like taking my lumps a little bit, you know. And to me, you know, the best short sec, you were the best second baseman in the league. Uh, Robbie, I think Robbie was in Cleveland my rookie year, and he had an unbelievable year there too. But you know, you were the best second baseman in the league. And I remember like after 2003, I remember thinking, all right, this is when I really kind of like put myself in that category. That was my goal, right? I had my finally had my first really good offensive year, at least you know, good offensive year where I felt like, all right, I'm ready now. You know, I'm gonna kind of hit the prime. I felt it. I felt the prime right here. Now I can be this really good two-way player at second, and I want to put myself on you know on your level and. You know, Alex gets traded to the Yankees. 
And it was weird because he almost got traded to Boston before that, right? So I'm in spring training, and you'll appreciate this because I think he ended up playing with him. I'm in spring training, and John Hart pulls me aside. He was our GM, and Alex was almost ready to go to, to Boston. And he goes, hey, he goes, uh, if Alex gets traded, you're staying at second, and we're going to sign Rich Amaral. He's going to play short. And I think he ended up going to you guys. So the deal with Boston falls through. He goes to the Yankees, and I, hear, I see Soriano's in the deal. And I'm like, uh, I don't know what the hell's going to happen here, right? So no one talked to me. No one said a word to me. I'm literally driving to spring training in Arizona. I get there. Sori shows up, who's a great dude, by the way. And the first day of ground balls, I go right to second. Kind of like you were talking about with, uh, with the Reds. I go right to second. Sori's at second, and no one's at short. And I'm like, screw this, man. I'm the second baseman here. Like, I want to play second. No one had said one word to me at that point. Nothing. The day goes by, no one says anything again. I go right back to second the next day. So it was awkward. And I'm sure it was awkward for Sori, but I was, I was kind of trying to prove a point. Like, really, no one's going to even, like, talk to me about this? So, you know, Buck ends up pulling me in the office, and he says, uh, a little awkward. I'm like, well, yeah, like, you saw it. So I feel bad for Sori. He didn't sign up for this. This is a new team for him. And I'm like, what's going to happen here? And he goes, well, we're both we're going to play both of you guys at short this spring. And whoever does better, we're going <laughs> to, you're going to be the shortstop. I was like, that's really the plan here. We're just going to kind of like wing this shit. And that's how it's going to work out. He's like, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm like, I'm like, I think I'm going to kind of come out on top with that. I'm like, I'm not trying to be a butthole about this, but I think I'm going to come out on top. So that's the case. I'd rather just have the whole spring to work at it, man. I got to really have a crash course here. It's been a while. So I was like, I'll just do it. You know, and that's how it ended up happening. Um, so the next day I went to short and I was at short, you know, every day after that. But I just didn't really love the way it was all lined up. You know, they were basically just going to roll the dice and see who came out on top. And with and it, was, it wasn't fair to me or Sori because neither one of us would have got the work in that we needed to to play shortstop. So, um, you know, I kind of had a feeling I was going to come out on top of that one anyway. So I just uh, just give me the whole spring to really work at it. So that's how it all went down, man. It was a weird kind of awkward moment for a little bit, but that's how it all happened. Well, to me, I mean, it was kind of amazing. I remember seeing you, and I'm kind of going, okay, you're just going to slide over here like it's no big deal. I, I was kind of envious. I'm like, I, I don't know. Uh, I've never been put – that's never been put to me, but I don't know that I could have done it. I mean, I, I'd go over there for a minute. Like I said, I, I think in the opening, I could probably fool you for some games. Uh, everything at me or to my left in front of me was, it was simple for me at short. But but in that hole, you know, and this is back before shifts and all that, where you had to play a true shortstop. So going into 04, you're coming out of spring. How do you feel? I mean, are you comfortable? Are you ready to go? You're coming off a big year. Offense is, the, is a huge part. You know, that's how we get paid. And, right. and I see young players sometimes when they're out of position. You know, and I'll have these talks with people. I said, if you put him at that position and he doesn't feel comfortable, it's going to affect his offense. You know, I saw that a little bit with a, with a modern-day Torres with the Yankees. You know, and I, I totally agree. Yep. When I talked to Aaron, totally I said, agree. you know, especially a young kid, it's like this yep. can really affect you on the offensive side of the ball. The, the safe haven for me at second base, feeling so comfortable, was this game is so hard, uh, especially offensively. I don't care how good you are, how talented you are. You are going to run into times where you just struggle. And, and yep. hitting seems like you've never done it before. I always had that safe haven. 
where if I'm not getting any hits, man, I'm going to go play the shit out of second base and you're not going to get any hits. And I took a lot of pride in that, but I was so confident and so uh, comfortable out there that I could, I had that, I had that ammo, you know, in, in my, in, in my backpack. I had that, man, if I'm playing a position where, where I'm not confident or I don't feel real sure footed, that can be a, that could be a long year. So, Oh, four, you're coming out of spring. What, what's your mind? What, where's your mind? You, you realize at that point, yeah, I can handle this or are you still up in the air with it? I thought I could handle it, but I, I, I was still up in the air as far as what it was going to look like over a full season. Right. I, Cause I'd never done it kind of like what you're talking about. Like, am I just plugging a hole here? Am I going to be able to like really do this? I'm not really sure. So anyway, long story short, you know, I, I, I did come out offensively in spring training thinking I'm really think I can take a step offensively. Cause you know how it is. I think I was in my, I think I was made 26 or 27 years old. And I was like, physically, I, I felt stronger. I had a good winter, the whole thing. And I felt stronger. So like, all right, offensively, I feel great. And then, you know, I'm not really sure defensively, <laughs> you know, how I'm going to, how it's going to go, but I felt pretty confident. I remember I made two errors in our home opener and I was getting booed. I was like, oh shit, man. You know, and then, you know, I go in the dugout and I'm kind of trapped and, you know, some of the coaching staff's trying to pat me in the back and I'm like, don't touch me. I'm at this point, like I'm pissed. I shouldn't, I should be playing second and this and that. And I was like, I got, I got to get over that. I got to go play. So, you know, for me, I was, um, I, I tried to just, basically say I'm playing second base just a little to my left. Um, you know, I felt like the one thing that could help me out was I knew I could throw. So I'm like, all right, so let's not try to overcomplicate this. Like, let's just try and like, just scoop up ground balls and just play, play baseball. Um, and then to what we were talking about earlier, you know, it's basically just, I knew I can charge the ball. Well, go to my left, the ball, the right, like I'm going to kind of trust my arm strength, but turn double plays was a cakewalk, man. It was easy. So, that was one part of shortstop that I was like, you know, it's second base is a thousand times harder to roll double plays again, especially at that time when you're allowed to get, you know, blasted. So, um, you know, I felt pretty good. I felt pretty good. I felt, I felt comfortable. I, I felt like I can definitely kind of do the thing. And once we got about a month and a half, two months into the season, I definitely felt like I was, I was pretty good to go. You had a great year in 04. You're an all-star for the first time. Uh, you drive in 99, you hit, you hit 216, you hit 22 homers, you hit 20 for the first time in the big leagues. Uh, follow that up in 2005, and what a year for you. You win the batting title, 221 hits. You lead the league. You'll do that one more time uh, before it's all over with, and you're doing it short. <laughs> this is, And that was, uh, as an opponent watching you, I'm going, I can't believe, this is really impressive that he's keeping it together offensively. It, obviously, it's not the, the most comfortable trip. I, I, I don't care who you are. You don't just go from second to short and it's easy. It's just not. Short right. is not an easy position. So uh, pretty awesome. I mean, you're an all-star the next uh, six years in a row. Uh, tell me about 05. 05 was kind of got to be a huge thing. You win the batting title. You lead the league in hits. It's the second year in a row you got 221 hits. Take me through that 05 season. Yeah, I, I kind of got the gate a little slow. Um, I don't know why. Just did. Um, 04, I kind of came out of the gate pretty hot. And this one, I came out of the gate slow. And I think mid-May, I was kind of scuffling a little bit. And um, we were in Minnesota. And I kind of just realized, you know, Booney, you can test this because you did it really well, too. Like, if I'm not thumping the ball to the opposite field, I feel like my swing's not really dialed in. And I kind of had this moment when I was we were in, in Minnesota playing in the Metrodome, and 
you know, we had a three-game series there. I started the series off. I'm like, I haven't really driven one freaking ball to right field in a while, right? And that, I'm like, this this has to be why. And I think we were facing, um, I forget who we were facing. It might have been Radke or one of those one of those righties for the Twins. And I hit a hit a Oppo homer uh, at Minnesota, and that was literally on Booney the moment. Boom! Like there I am. Let's go. That was it. Just so, that's why a lot of times hitters say, "Man, I'm just one swing away." So true. You know, that was it for me. I needed one swing to kind of get that feeling back where I can back a ball up and stick it the other way. And I'm like, all right, now I'm good. And I literally was good the rest of the way. That was it. That was like the one big turning point for me. And I felt great the whole year, man. It was um, it was a fun season. I wish we'd have more team success. But from an individual standpoint, I felt like I I was in a pretty good little sweet spot of my career right there. And, uh, you know, ended up ended up finishing the season pretty strong. Um, you know, you get to the, at the time, the batting title, I think meant a little more than it does now, even though I think it should mean a lot still. Um, you know, I think the rate at which a guy gets hits is, should be pretty important. Um, but I remember at the end of the year, you know, the, you know, we don't have a ton of media in Texas, but they're like, Hey, does this, this mean something to you? And I remember like a lot of, a lot of guys would always say, Oh, you know, I just want to keep winning. I want to focus. And I was like, that's bullshit. And they, do you want to win? I'm like, hell yeah, I want to win this thing. I'm like, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, of course I want to win the batting title. I know the players who have done this before, you know, my favorite player in the kid, as a kid won the freaking batting title and it should mean something, you know? And so, yeah, I ended up winning the thing. It was, it was really, really cool. Um, meant a lot, a lot to me at the time. And, uh, it was, it was really fun to have a great year. And I had a ton of offensive talent around me. You mentioned Soriano was having big years and he came over to share. was really good. Hank was really good. And, that was a, kind of a fun group. We just didn't pitch well enough to really put a dent into, you know, the division. Um, you know, for me, when I came up in 2001, I kind of saw what it takes to be a really good team playing against you guys where you had a, some really, really good players. You obviously, you know, should have won the MVP, Ichiro who did win it, and then just a loaded staff with ridiculous bullpen. I'm like, well, that's the way you win this, at, this, at this level. And we just didn't have enough. Um, so it would have been nice to have to, to couple that with some more team success, but um, it was a fun, it was a fun individual year. Yeah. No, I'm glad you said that. Cause it is, it's, it's, it's bullshit when people, Oh no, it was nice to win it, but no matter what, what that, what it is, whether it's the, you know, uh, leading the league in hits. Of course you want to lead the league in hits. I remember yeah. one year for me, I was, I was tied with Juan Gonzalez for the, for the RBI lead. And it was like the, coming down to the last game of the season. He like took the day off. He was out of the lineup. I'm like, is this guy nuts? I've got to win this thing. You know, yeah. for him, maybe it wasn't a big deal. He'd probably won three or four RBI titles in his life. Well, to me, it was a huge deal. And I'm saying, I got to play. I got to win. And I drove in a run that day and I saw that he wasn't in the lineup. I'm like, I won. I won the RBI title. That's a big deal for me. That's huge. You know what? It's great that we're winning all these games, but but I, I need to have these personal things too. So it's not about just because you, you wanted to win the batting title and, and you led the league in hits and you say it's important doesn't make you a selfish player. I think if I had nine selfish players on the field doing the best they could, playing the game right, uh, and, and cared about their number, well, collectively, we're going to be a better team for it. You know, there, right. it's crossing a line when you don't play the game correctly to obtain things. Sure. But when you're out there just trying to obtain, I want to drive in as many runs as I can. I want to score as many runs as I can. That's not really, yeah, it's selfish, but but it's also a good selfish that helps your team better. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cross the line and not play the game right. You know, if there's a runner, if there's a man on second and third, nobody out. I'm trying to smoke something the other way. I want to play the game right. But yeah, I want things to line up for me too. Nothing wrong with that. 
Yeah. Without a doubt. Oh, oh, six. Third, that's third of uh, six All-Star games in a row. Uh, you play in the World Baseball Classic. And this is something I saw pretty cool because you got it off a buddy of mine. You win, the, you end up winning the All Star MVP. You get the big hit off off one of my favorites, uh, in a longtime friend yeah, of mine. You get it, get it off Hoffy, get it off Hoffy. Yeah. Triple. That's got to be a pretty cool thing. I mean, as your journey's going on, you you, you know you got the batting title, you got the hits uh, lead the the year before. This is another little thing. Yeah, not the not the most important thing in the world, but it's pretty cool. Probably at the end of that All-Star game, they hand you that trophy. Like, wow, that's another cool thing I could put on the shelf. 100%. It was cool, right? It was cool. Not the most important thing in the world because it is an All-Star game, but damn right, it was, it was really cool. And especially, like you said, uh, facing off a guy that's got, like, league-wide respect in hockey. And I think one thing that really helped me out was we had played San Diego uh, maybe like a week before that interleague play. And I faced Hoffy once or twice because, you know, being in Texas and he's in San Diego, I, I didn't see him much, you know, and if I saw him in spring training, that, that's not the same. So I maybe had a couple at bats against him, um, or at least at the very least, I got to look at him. And, you know, with Hoffy, it's like, you got, you got, unless you face that changeup, you really don't know, right? It's a pretty special pitch. So I went into that at bat kind of like, I have a little bit of an idea what this looks like. Um, you know, and then I ended up getting right away into an 0-2 count. And I was like, all right, it, this could be anything now. This could be, it could be a heater. Or he can drop that changeup on me. But I remember thinking, like, I am not going to let, let him get me on this changeup right now. So if he happens to throw me a fastball, I'm just going to try and, like, stick it the other way. That's exactly what happened. He threw me no two pitch to hit. I don't think he wanted to put it there, but it was no two pitch to hit. And in order for me to stay on the changeup, I had to use the whole field with that thing. So I ended up getting in the gap. And it was a pretty cool moment, like you said, man. It was – um. Happened kind of fast in a, in, in a tight all-star game, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, skip ahead to 08. Uh, you, win your, you win a gold glove. And uh, how fulfilling was that for you? Not only making the transition from second to short, but winning that gold glove over there. Pretty pretty awesome. It was, man. It was. I, I felt pretty proud about it, you know, because I would have loved the opportunity to, you know, see what my again see what my career would have looked like if I'd have stayed at second and to see if I could have had the same defensive success I thought I could have had at second as my career kind of progressed um but you know I didn't get that chance so to get one at short really meant a lot it kind of like in my mind kind of validated the whole thing well at least at least it was worth it from an individual standpoint um you know I called my first call I made was I called my college coach who you know put me at short and gave me an opportunity to do it um Again, not many other coaches would have done it, especially because in college I was making a ton of errors because I was just learning how to do it. And I called him up and I said, hey, man, just in case you ever thought, wanted to know if it was worth it or not, it was worth it. I just want a gold glove, and I just want to thank you for, you know, having enough faith in me back in the day to, to give me this chance. So um, I think it meant a lot to him. It made a lot to me to make that phone call. And, you know, it was, it was a cool year. I had a tough year offensively. I was hurt a little bit. I, I broke two fingers and just didn't have – I had a crappy year. And, so to be able to kind of salvage the thing by playing a little better defensively than I had before, uh, it meant a lot. It really did. Uh, you know, no matter how many times you get that call, you've won a few of them. I'm sure it's a pretty gratifying moment to to get that to get that call. And not to mention, like when you when you when I found out, you know, that I won the Gold Glove. I'm pretty sure any player who who has won one feels the same way. As far as the way awards look, that is the sweetest looking thing you can ever have up in your house. <laughs> it is, man. It's a cool ass award. So I was thinking about that thing the whole time, like, man, I can't believe I get one of these things. So it was, it was a really, really satisfying moment for me, for sure. 
And how about this? As soon as you get the gold glove, who do they? You got Elvis Andrews coming on oh, the yeah. scene, still they, they playing today in, in Oakland, winding down his career. But you're going to move over to third. No big deal. Yeah, exactly. How does exactly. – uh, oh, and, and, and I would suspect that would be a – I don't know. Was that an easier transition going from short to third or, or from second to short? Uh, second to short was easier for me. Um, third, uh, third was a bit of a, it was hard. Uh, you know, it was weird, Booney. The first spring training game, we get it. It was, you know, at second and, and third, you see everything kind of in front of you, right? I remember we, were, I was playing third. I'd never played third one inning in my life ever. I get to third and um, first, we're playing the Royals in spring training, first game, and they got a right-handed hitter up there, and all I see is his back. And I don't know what it was. I was like, damn, this is weird. You know, it's just a weird angle um but like one thing i told myself was listen uh you know if i ever felt kind of out of sync in the infield and it usually was you know i didn't really feel this way at second but if i did it short i'm like i'm gonna i'm not gonna play this position on my heels you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be aggressive i'm not gonna let these balls play me i want to make sure my feet get going uh if i have an overthrow ball no big deal i'll throw in the third row but i'm not gonna just you know i'm not gonna lollipop it over there i'm gonna just play aggressive defense and that's kind of way I, I i took third as I really wanted to play aggressively over there. Um, but again, like the tough part is like, I think once, once you play, a, I'm, I'm a big believer that once you play a certain position for a while, I think you really get better as your career goes because, you know, you make certain adjustments, right? Like say one ball eats you up to your left. You're like, all right, that just wasn't the right angle. Next time I'm taking this angle. And the next time you do it, now it just becomes instinct. Now you just know. And over, after a while, there's so many of those plays that you've messed up on that next, you know, you make good adjustments on that you're super instinctive to that position. So it took me, when I got to third, I, I had to develop all that. You know, I had to develop those, you know, because there's angles are big at third, right? There's a lot of in-between hops over there if you don't if you take a fucked up angle. So, you know, that was something I really had to, had to work through. It took a little bit of time. Um, but, I mean, again, one thing that really helped me at that point was the team was finally starting to get good. So that made it, that made that process a lot more fun for me because you can see how, how good you know, making a move like that really improved our club. And um, we had a really good thing going. So it was easy for me to kind of move past it and just do my best over there and just focus on the fact that we were winning some games now. 2010, uh, go to your first World Series. And, and I've had a lot of guys on the program, and we talk about it all the time, almost to the point of nausea. I'm sick of talking about it. But there's so much truth to, there's so much truth to it. it. It's so hard to win let alone go to a World Series. You know, I'm sure you've played with a lot of guys that never got to even go to a World Series that were great players. And uh, year in and year out, you see that, you know, one one team is standing at the end. And, and I always kind of look at them and say, I hope you enjoy this because this is really hard to let alone win in it. But just getting there, you get to go to your first World Series, everything you always dreamed of. Oh, man, it was incredible. It was incredible, man, especially because the way the thing ended, uh, we were in the ALCS playing the Yankees. They had a good team. Um, and we go into the bottom of ninth. We're in our, our home ballpark in game six. And at this point, you know, Alex gets booed pretty much every time he comes to our park. <laughs> and uh, Jeter had made the last out of the eighth, and he was leading off. Alex was hitting fourth. So we go into the ninth. We bring in Naftali Feliz, who was just throwing fuzzy shit past everybody that whole season. <laughs> and it's like two, three, four coming up. And I'm like, no way Alex is hitting third this inning. No way it's shaping up like this. 
And sure enough, man, he makes quick work of two and three, and Alex comes up and the roof blew off, man. It was bananas. And then he ends up, you know, gets throws him a slider for the punchy, and it was fun, Booney, man. I mean, it was, um, you know, I think it was my 10th year in the league at that point, and, you know, to finally have some really fun team success, and it coincided with us just getting some pitching, man. We got Cliff Lee that year, who was just an animal, you know, unbelievably great pitcher, and set the tone really for our whole club uh, once the deadline passed. And it was, um, it was just super fun. Uh, you know, we get to the World Series and the Giants were, didn't know at the time, but they were about to start a bit of a dynasty. And they kind of took it to us in the World Series. But getting there was fun. You know, you could, the out-of-town scoreboard's off, man. It's just us playing, you know. And um, it, was, it was a lot of fun. You know, I wish we could have, could have won one, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. 11, you go back uh, to the World Series again. This time it's the Cardinals. Uh, you lead the league in hits for the second time. You hit 338 that year. Huge year personally, uh, offensively for you. Second time around, different thoughts? Yeah. Or, or is it just yeah. – it's the game. Is it just baseball? It's whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But learn anything from the first one, not learn, it's just baseball. No, I think we learned a lot. I think one thing that we learned was you get into a postseason series. Um, first of all, I think we were a better team in 11. Um, we were loaded, and a, pretty much every guy on our team that year had a big year offensively. We had a really, really good team. Um, but we get into the playoffs, and the Cardinals were hot. You know, They got in late to the play. They won the wild card late, and they kind of just had to fight for everything the whole month of September. So they were kind of going a little bit. But we knew that one thing that I, I will say in postseason baseball is like, you can't just settle into games like you do in the regular season, right? It's like, all right, it's the first game of the series. We're going to settle in. Look, no, you got to win. You got to go balls out. Every pitch is huge. You got to get momentum and you got to keep it. And if they got it, you got to get it back somehow. So we knew that. And we we dropped game one in St. Louis and we ended up coming back in the ninth. We still stole game two to take it back to our place. And that's when I was like, all right, this team's just different. Like we, we know now what it means to win these big games. We know how to execute in big spots. Um, then we took two or three in our home park. And so we were up three, two heading back to St. Louis and, you know, had a, you know, two run lead in the ninth and just, that's when baseball happened, you know, you know, to this day, like, I'm like, I always think what I could have done differently to make, have a, you know, to lead to a different outcome that kind of just what naturally baseball players do a little bit. But at the end of the day, he's got to give the Cardinals credit for executing. Uh, they had some big, big, big hits, big two out hits in their home park. Uh, and it was just, um, it was their time. They won it. And it still makes me sick a little bit to think about it, to think we were so close to winning a ring and didn't get it done. Um, but, you know, they, they did it. They deserve it. And that's pretty much the end of the story. After 12, uh, you get traded to Philly. You'll end up finishing your career in L.A. Uh, in 2013. Coming over from the Blue Jays in 2000, I mean, this is kind of, you know, after that point, it's kind of all you know. You've been a Ranger your whole career. Um when you get traded, weird for you? Like, well, I'm not yeah. going to be playing in Texas anymore. What was the emotion for you going into that yeah, trade? Yeah, it was really, it was really weird. Uh, you know, I had a year left on my contract, uh, and I was super motivated. You know, I really wanted to kind of come in, have a big year. Um, you know, I think I was 36 years old, and that's when I really kind of – the year before was when I really started kind of feel the toll – that my career was taking in my body. I'm, I'm sure you went through it too. And I just, I felt like every day, man, I was, I was banged isn't, up. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? Uh, and when you're young, you never think you look at the older players like, ah, that won't happen to me. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's just like, 
shit. You know, then I'm, I'm like, all right. Then I told myself, all right, that was just a bad year. So I'm going to the year I got traded to Philly. I'm like, all right, this is going to be a good year. I kind of rebounded. And I got out of the gate pretty quick, but um, sure enough, man, like things start adding up. I'm like, damn, both my shoulders hurt now. Not just one, like both my knees hurt. Like it just, and then you know how it is, man. You play every day. Like once you got it, you got it. You don't, you don't get rid of it because you're, you just have it the rest of the way. And uh, it was, it was frustrating, right? Because I'm like, damn, I feel like I'm better than this. But I'm just not able to show it. And that's, that, that's when I learned that's probably the case with pretty much every guy in the big leagues who gets towards the end of his career. You know, your talent level is still good, but it's like, you know, is your body going to give yourself a chance to execute and produce in the way that you're used to? And that's when I kind of started getting a little, you know, you know, a little frustrated towards the end. But, you know, it ended up being a cool cool year. You know, I get traded to the Dodgers at the deadline. You know, the team I always really wanted to play for, we had a really good club. Just couldn't, you know, the Cardinals took us down again in the NLCS. But it was a cool way to close it down. Playing for my, you know, playing for Donnie, you know, that to me was, uh, you know, playing for my favorite player as a kid, playing for my hometown team. I'm like, this is a pretty good, if this is it, this is a pretty cool way to, to close this thing out. And you mentioned him and that, that youth, how it leaves us. You mentioned Robbie Alomar, somebody you look to uh, when you were young coming up in the game. He's probably the best second baseman of the 90s. I was the same. I, I looked to Robbie. He kind of set the bar. And I remember having a conversation with him. He's a few years older than me. And uh, I remember having a conversation with him in the early 2000s. And uh, I was coming off a big year. I think it was 03. And I saw him out. And, you know, he was really scuffling. And I'm like, Robbie, what's wrong? You know, you're, you're kind of the guy I've been following my whole life. And he said it to me. He said, Booney, it just seems that when I turned, I forget whether he said 35 or 36. He said, I got old all of a sudden. And I thought to myself, come on. You don't just get old overnight. And and wow, sure enough, right. when I hit that age, it was different. I don't know whether it was my legs. It was something. I just didn't feel like I'd felt, you know, my whole life. Like, just get out of bed and hit. You know, I used to go down in the cages with Edgar, and Edgar was a little older than me. And, you know, I'd be, he'd be down there stretching, getting loose, getting ready to hit. I'd just come in my first round, boom, boom, boom. And, he, and he'd look at me and go, are you serious? And I said, what? He goes, you just, you just swing like that. I said, of course, can't, doesn't everybody just do it this way? And, and then, you know, now me, I used to show to, you know, show up to the golf course and I go right to the first tee. Now <laughs> I get to the golf course 30 minutes early. I'm down on the range doing my stretches. I got my Theragun uh, and I'm that guy. It's just life. And it just, it just happens to you. But, but when you're young, enjoy it. Cause because uh, it will get you, even even the, even when you think you're you're Superman and it won't get you, it gets all of us. Yeah, me and you both, Booney. I had this, I had the same kind of experience. Like, I first of all, I do the same thing on the golf course. I always got to warm up. Like, there's no way I can go straight to the first tee. But we were in the uh, we were in the NLCS in 13. We were, I was facing Lance Lynn, and uh, I was in a big spot, man. I was like first and third, less than two outs or something like that. Might have been one out, and he throws me a, a sinker and just. First of all, it just gobbles me up, right? And I roll this thing right to the shortstop, and I trip coming out of the box. Trip. I just get snipered right out of the box. By the time I get up, the second baseman's already throwing the ball to first. I wasn't even close to halfway, and I was out. Big spot in the playoffs. And I'm like, that's when I was like, this might be it. I've never done that before. I've never tripped coming out of the box. Just small things, right? And I've never gotten that gobbled up off a sinker. I think I could have handled. I should be able to handle and it was just kind of like hitting me all at once. You know, I was 37, I think I was about to turn 37 and I was like, 
this might be it, you know, because I don't know about you, man, because the daughters often bring me back the following year and they say, hey, listen, we might have you in a utility role. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm if I'm built for that. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I can if I can do that. I have a ton of respect for guys who have been everyday players and they transition to that role. Uh, and usually they can kind of extend their career I, for a couple more years. Shoot, man, I, I benefited from having some of those guys and playing with some of those guys. But I just wasn't sure if it was for me. So that was that was uh, I decided not to do it and ended up just kind of hanging them up after that. But yeah, for me it was 35. Man, 35 was the age when things just boom hit me like a ton of bricks. Man, everything just felt different. And you know that's weird. Early in, uh, I think it was 2002. I had signed a contract. I forget what it was or what the terms were, but they they were really fighting me on a fifth year. And uh, I went in and I was negotiating with them and I, and. And they said, Brett, we just want to tell you that, you know, we've got the we've got data and, and it just our our all our all our technology that we use now. We, it takes into consideration you, the individual, uh, the mileage on your body, what we predict in the next four years, the mileage is going to be. And our algorithm tells us that at the age 36, you're going to be half the player you are right now. And, and I remember, I remember them telling me that. And I was like, so offended by it and pissed off. How dare you tell me I'm not going to be Superman five years from now. And I thought they were absolutely crazy. Like, how can they just think they can predict? I'm going to work harder in the off season than the next guy. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to fall victim to this algorithm that you have. And it, it, maybe they put it in my mind right there, but I swear that fifth year was the year where I didn't want to tell anybody, but I was thinking to myself, they were right. <laughs> they were right about this algorithm they had because my legs overnight were like, boom, they were mush. They yeah. weren't what they were, the, even the previous year. Yeah. And you probably still in the weight room, probably still feel exactly the same, right? But it's Yeah, it does. It, right. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. You cannot replace uh, youth. You can't replace yeah. That, yeah. that youthful spring that you have, that explosion. We all have it, and we all lose it. Uh, you retire after 13. Uh, great career. 300 career. Uh, I can't say enough about that, and I argue. I'll argue it to the death with people, especially today of the modern game, where they they cheapen the average. And I say, you know what? I'll give you a three hundred hitter. I'll guarantee you, you hit him in the middle of your lineup every day, no matter what you say about average and what is important. Because still, the best hitters, and and today there's very there's a lot fewer three hundred hitters, and there's a lot more guys hitting in the low two hundreds makes it even more impressive to me when you're hitting 300 because they like to say, Oh, the pitching is, is this, and it's that. Yeah. The physicality is getting better, but the physicality of the, the position player is getting better as well. So that's not really an excuse. The 300 hitters are the guys that have a good approach that go about it the right way. Those are the great hitters. Those are the hitters I want up when the closers on the mound in the ninth inning. I don't want that guy 210, but he'll walk. Because guess what? Trevor Hoffman's of the world, Mariano Rivera's of the world. They don't walk you anyway. So that does me no good. So I want that 300 hitter at the end. That's always impressive to me when, when I have somebody on that was – uh, 300 for a career because it's it, it's so much harder than people even could could possibly imagine so yeah. uh kudos to you for that I, I awesome over a thousand yeah. runs 2375 hits 185 homers what a great career i want to talk to you a little bit before i let you go about 
um, the managers in your life. You started off, I believe, with Johnny Oates was your first one. Jerry Naren, both were teammates of my dad back in the day, if you want to sound a little bit older, <laughs> feel a little bit older. Then you had Buck, and you finished, finished and went to those two World Series, I believe, with Ron Washington. Just speak to each one of those a little bit. Yeah, you know, I was really lucky that, um, you know, I had Johnny very, very briefly before he, then, he, then uh, Jerry came on the next year. Uh, Jerry was great because, you know, you always have to have as a young player a manager who believes in you. And my first couple of years in the big leagues, you know, I wasn't hitting the way I felt like I was capable of hitting. I was kind of just like learning, learning, learning. And like every time I screwed up, I'm like, I got to file this away and get better. And Jerry just kept throwing me out there. And that was big. And you played against us that, you know, in those years. We weren't the best team in the world, but. You know, they could have sent me to the minor leagues. They never did. They they kept running me out there. And I think that one reason I was able to kind of turn the corners is because at that point I had some at-bats built up and I had some moments where I can really, really learn. Um, and then that enabled, enabled me to kind of take off a little later. Um, and then Buck came. And one thing about Buck that I'll always be super grateful for is that, man, that guy, you know, nowadays it's a little different too. You mentioned kind of the way the game is a bit different. You know, you don't see position players – playing you know 160 nowadays doesn't really happen they got guys get a lot of days off nowadays and i think with buck like i think in the four years that i that i had him i think i had like i think i missed four games total and i think two when my son was born so like he just ran me out there man and it was uh i loved it you know it's even even in texas when it was smoking hot and i you get used to it after a while, but I love the fact that he just ran me out there man and whether it was whether i was on a hot streak or if i was scuffling you know, I remember a couple of times he's like, hey, you know, you're funny. Maybe we want to give you a day. And I'm like, you know what I'm scuffling is when I want to play. You know, anyone can, I could teach a monkey to go out there and, you know, throw out line drives when they're smoking hot. You know, that happens. <laughs> anyone can do that. But this is when I really want to be able to kind of, you know, tell my teammates that I'm not bailing on them. I want, to, I want them to know that, hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm going to play. I'm going to try and battle out of this thing for you guys. So that's one thing that Buck was really, really great at. I mean, he just ran me out there. And then Wash came in and brought a whole different kind of, uh, you know, breath of fresh air to our organization. And shortly after he got there, we started winning. Uh, you know, Wash is known as, you know, this, around the game as like this really great infield guy. But one thing that, and a really fun guy to be around, but one thing that I really loved was he's super intense, man. He's a really competitive guy. And, uh, you know, that was one thing he was always really serious about. It was like, he's big on fundamentals and just big on just being very intense during game time. I love that. You know, it was kind of like spoke my language a little bit. So he was probably the guy that, you know, I played for him the longest. I had the most team success under Wash. And I really, really loved playing for him. He was he was really great, man. I keep in touch with him to this day. And then um, in Philly, I had Charlie Manuel, who was the man. I loved Charlie. And I had Donnie in L.A. So I was really lucky, man. I had some really, really good people to play with and play for. Uh, the managers I all played for I had a huge impact on my career. And I'll always be super, super grateful for those guys. 2016 uh, Rangers Hall of Fame. Uh, kind of writings kind of on the wall. Yeah. I mean, you probably figured it at the time, but, and, and I think I saw this ceremony in 2019. You had your number retired, uh, kind of a di- next level for me. You know, the hall of fame is, is probably really cool for you, but getting your number retired, knowing that in Texas, uh, no one went wear number 10 again, had to be a pretty cool moment. I think I saw it on TV and I, and I thought it was really cool. Take me through that ceremony, the people of Texas coming out and, and, uh, retiring that number. Yeah, it really was. It really was cool, Boney. You know, I had a lot of my family and friends come out from California for that one. Because for me, that was it, man. That was I, I'm not. That's the top of the mountain. I think for any player, like the Hall of Fame is the is the 
is it, like the real Hall of Fame, right? And I think if you're a good player and you're in like a good spot in your career, I don't care who you are, I don't care if you met, you're thinking about it, right? Who, who wouldn't be? I'm sure you were at some point saying, man, if I can do A, B, C, and a little more, man, the Hall of Fame, it's a, it's a conversation now. And then, you know, when I finish up, I was, you know, one year on the ballot and I was off, which is, I, yeah, I'm not complaining, it was honored to even be on the ballot. But for me, like the number retired thing was, that was like my, my Hall of Fame. Like it doesn't get any better than that for me. That was a really, really cool moment. You know, I finally kind of, I don't know about you, but like when I played, I really wasn't good about taking in the moments. It was always kind of like, all right, we've got a game to play tomorrow and got to get ready for it. And that was kind of the way I approached the game. But I think that one day I was really kind of like, all right, I'm going to soak all this in, man. I'm just really, really enjoy this. And I did. It was really cool. The, the Rangers were really, really great to me. Um, I thought it was a really, really cool day. Um, again, family and friends in town for the, for a long weekend and it's a pretty special moment for you, man. As far as like personal stuff goes, that's got to be top of the list. You know, and you mentioned uh, take it right, right. You always tell a young kid, "Hey, enjoy it." A young big ligger, enjoy it because we're we're grinding it out so much. We never stop to smell the roses. But I had Paul Canerico on the on the on the program recently. He made a good point to me. He said, "Booney, yes." If in a perfect world, I would have enjoyed it a little bit more. I would have gone to the sites in the cities that I wanted to see that I never got to. He said, but I think the reason that we're big leaguers and we remain big leaguers is because we don't take it in. We're, we take in the moment. Who are we facing tonight? How am I going to get a hit? I'm not swinging the bat good. I'm not, I'm not seeing the spin on his slider. And I'm grinding on that night and that you know, that starting pitcher, uh, whoever we're, we're opposing that night. And he said, so I don't know, you know, I've thought about it a lot. And he kind of made me think a little bit like, yeah, if I, if I look back, I remember my last week, Michael, and I'm the last week where I thought this might be it. And we happened to be going to Fenway park. And I remember during a pitching change, I was standing, it was a day game and I just looked around and I thought to myself, if this is the last time, man, my grandpa played right here. Mm Mm-hmm. But I have never really appreciated this. Like, this is like no big deal for me. I got to face, you know, I'm facing Pedro tonight. I don't care right, about exactly. about the great stadium, whatever. But for the first time in my life, and, and it's 14 years later from when I, when I made my debut, I was looking around and I kind of was just like a smile on my face. Nobody knew what I was doing. But that's the only time that I really stopped for a minute and looked around. But then Canerico comes comes barrel along and tells me, yeah, but we wouldn't be what we were if we stopped and, and did that in every right. city we went to. We'd probably be one and done. So it it made me think, and he, he's probably right. That's a, that's a yeah. good point to be made, too. So uh, it, it's what makes us what we are and and uh, still a wonderful totally game. And, and as we right. And as we get older, like the moment you had getting your number retired, watching watching kids grow up, uh, we have a little bit different perspective now. You know, we look back and go, oh, yeah. You know, I, I know for sure I grew up in the game. You know, I grew up going to the ballpark with dad my my whole childhood and then was was fortunate enough to play the game. But I can tell you honestly today in the middle of my career, I didn't appreciate that uniform on my back. I thought I deserved it. Yeah, of course I wear right. this. I at 53 years old, I look back at that young, young man in the middle of his career and I really appreciate it now. Like, man, I was lucky to wear a big league uniform for as long as I got to wear one. But when you're going through it, you see a kid today, you know, playing the game. And, and you know, I laugh at, at people that say, well, he doesn't appreciate it. Well, did you appreciate it when, when you were having big years going to the All-Star game? 
I'm sure you appreciate it to a level, but not like a mature adult man would appreciate it. And that's what that's all a part of the process and going through life. It's like, yeah, one day we look back and go, wow. It was really cool what I got to do, and 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 I'm thankful for it. But when you're going through it, man, you're just—it's bull in a china shop. It's what's next? What's for next? Sure. What's tomorrow? What's the next day? So I think it's cool that we live and 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 we learn as we go on it, and almost like smile and and, and laugh at a younger version of ourselves. Right. I told. I, I mean, everything you're saying is spot on. Everything that that Canerico said is spot on. I mean, think about when you're you're on a road trip, right, and you wake up in the morning and, you know, the first thing I think about is the guy I'm facing that night. I mean, you're just, a, you're, I don't want to say a robot, but like you're a machine in terms of how you view your, your place in the game. Like, you know, like, Oh, you're going to Chicago, great town. I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking about playing <laughs> baseball, man. Like, and, and all the other stuff will just, I'll appreciate down the road. So yeah, I mean, I agree. There were times I wish I could have smelled the roses, but I don't, I don't think I was capable of it. I really wasn't, man. Uh, I don't care if it was a, a 10 to two ball game in the eighth inning. I wasn't capable of it. Um, and again, I, I agree. That's kind of what made us, made us who we were. Who knows if some guy, some young kid would have chased us down if we let our guard down for a second, you know, I, but there was something inside of me. I'm sure you were the same way that says, I'm not going to let my guard down. You know, I think it's just a bad habit to get into. So I'm not even going to start. One of my first big league road trips as a kid, I went to San Francisco and uh, I was trying to go to Alcatraz and something, it didn't work out for me. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to have plenty of time to go to Alcatraz. Just, just for, to your point, like, Hey, you're going to Chicago, great city to this day. I have not been to Alcatraz and I swore, you know, as a rookie that, that I was going to make that Alcatraz trip. And every time I got to the city, like you're right, I, you got to get up early, get on that ferry. And I'd get up and I'd be like, no, we're facing so-and-so tonight. I got it. Uh, man. And my mind started going, yeah. okay. You know, whether I was in a, in a good, in a good place or, or, or struggling a little bit, the, the mind didn't turn off. It's like, okay, game at hand tonight, seven o'clock, who we got, we got him, we got him. This guy's going to probably be coming out of the pen tonight. Uh, what, what it's my history with him. So it, it starts over every time. Uh, special assistant to John Daniels. You've been doing that. I, I believe ever since you retired, what's that entail? Take me through a normal day during the season. Yeah, it's been good. I think I took about one year off and they kind of got me back in. It's been great. Um, you know, the team basically has been really good about a couple of things with one of which was, I always said that I wanted my time when I retired and they've been really good about giving me that, you know, I got three sons and family life is going great. And, you know, we make, I make sure that my wife and I are always around for everything that our, our boys are doing team understands that, but if, uh, I still go to spring training with the guys uh, when it gets time to draft time and trade deadline time, that's probably what my, my stuff picks up a little bit. Uh, which has always been fun. Uh, I still make sure I kind of see and keep in touch with our minor leaguers. And to me, that's probably been the most rewarding stuff is when you have a minor leaguer that you're having conversations with. And you know how it is when you're down there, Booney, and you're just fighting, scratching, and clawing. And you got your whole career ahead of you, but you know you got to get there and stay there. And they're learning like the important lessons along the way, physically, mentally, you know, what they do to bail themselves out of slumps. And, you know, you see their minds spinning a million miles an hour when they're in the middle of slumps and see him kind of get to the big leagues and put a big league uniform on. You know, I always love you know, shooting a guy a message when he gets called up. You know, it means a lot to me, not because I had anything to do with it, but just, you know, super proud. I mean, how that kid must feel, how his family must feel to have his first crack at this and have a chance now to really put a dent in the big league career. 
that's kind of stuff about this job that I really, really enjoy. Uh, it's probably the, the biggest thing I take from it. All the other stuff as far as, you know, helping the front office make a few decisions here and there is fun. But, you know, when you see a young kid um, get his crack at it and fighting his way from the draft to Ray Ball to the upper levels of the minor leagues and you get a chance to really put on a big league uniform to see that happen for a kid is really, really fun for me to see. Three toughest pitchers you ever faced. Ooh, man. Toughest pitchers. Uh, you know, when I first came up, I would say Pedro Martinez. Um, I would say Pedro Martinez, Roy Halladay, and Justin Verlander. Three toughest ones. All right. Michael yeah, Young, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Uh, always been a fan of yours. I think you know that. Uh, love the way you play the game. You did it right. What a, what a career, and congratulations for everything. And to the Rangers going forward. What we do each and every Boone podcast at the end of the podcast is we kick it back to the voice of the podcast. And that man is Dan Levy. Dan? Well, that was a splendid podcast, gentlemen. Nice job. (laughs) Thanks, brother. Michael, thanks, man. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. That's going to do it for the Brett Boone Podcast. My name is Dan Levy, the technical director, producer, voice of the Boone Podcast. EP, executive producer, Rich Herrera, digital. All gets uploaded by Liz Landry. Do us a favor, share the Boone Podcast. Neighbors and friends and all those that love sports, make sure you subscribe. Never miss an episode. And while you're at it, give us a five-star rating and share your feelings about the podcast by leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to the show. For all of us here on the Boom Podcast, he is Brett Boone. You can find him on social media at the Boone 29. I'm Dan Levy, BASS on air. That is base on air, all of my social medias. Thanks for listening. We'll do it again soon. Have a great one.